Welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. We have a treat today. Vanessa Marin is here to talk about all the things, relationship, sex, intimacy, and how to survive this darn pandemic. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She's here to help you stop feeling embarrassed about sex and start having more fun in the bedroom. She's got a bachelor's degree in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University, a master's degree in counseling and psychology, and she writes for the New York Times, Allure, and Lifehacker, and has been featured in over a thousand different publications like O, The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, and Real Simple. Vanessa specializes in online programs that'll help you transform your sex life from ordinary to extraordinary, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Through her work, she finds immense joy in spreading the message that we all deserve more from our sex lives. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Vanessa Marin. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Vanessa Marin. She, you may be familiar, has been on the Rise Together podcast before. If you have not listened to it, episode 38 is where Rachel and I had an amazing conversation. Uh, The first time we were introduced to you and your work, but if someone is unfamiliar with you, if someone hasn't, for whatever reason, listened to episode 38, tell us a little bit about yourself, Vanessa, and give us a little background in how you got into this line of work. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Dave. I had such a great time with you guys last time. I'm really thrilled to be back. So my name is Vanessa Marin, and I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and I specialize in helping people take their sex lives and their relationships from ordinary to extraordinary. Um, So I have online courses. I do one-on-one coaching as well, but really all about just helping people feel less ashamed and embarrassed and start having a lot more fun with sex and with their relationships. And really the reason that I got into this work actually traces back to my parents trying to have the talk with me for the very first time. Uh, It was a very awkward conversation as most people's attempt at having the talk is. And I remember even at a really young age, just being very curious about that. Like, why is this so embarrassing to talk about? Why can't we talk about it? I do have a lot of questions. I am really curious about this. And so I had no clue that sex therapy was a career path for me at that point in time. But that really has been like the central question for me for my entire career is, you know, can we make these things more easy, like more comfortable to talk about? Can we take the shame and embarrassment away from these conversations and talk about sex in an open, honest way? And that, yeah, still is the core of the work that I do to this day. Oh, man. I I mean, I love it. It's, It's interesting because I grew up very much in a like super conservative household where open conversations about sex were just not things that happened. I can still remember, uh, and I may have even mentioned this back in episode 38, that my introduction to sex, the talk, was something that was done in my parents handing me 
uh, James Dobson tape from Focus on the Family and asking me to listen to it while I was mowing the lawn, which felt like a totally <laughs> inappropriate way to introduce me to the birds and the bees. But that um, was indicative of some of the like taboo that just existed around um, having open, normal, regular conversations about something that is a total normal part of relationship and the way that that couples express their love between each other. So I love the fact that you do this work. We are obviously inside of uh, totally unprecedented times in the way that COVID is changing the way that um, if you are in relationship, you are finding yourself maybe uh, asking questions about your relationship because of how much thinking time you're spending with the significant person in your life. If you're not in relationship, how you actually get into relationship in the midst of COVID feels like a thing that uh, is complicated on a factor on layers that just never previously existed. I'm curious if in your work, you're seeing an uptick in couples struggling since COVID took over their lives and why you think the struggle exists. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's just no denying we are going through something completely monumental. And I know that we're all sick of it at this point and wish we weren't living through a massive you know, point in history. But yeah, I'm definitely seeing so many impacts on relationships in my practice. Um, and it was pretty interesting. I think when COVID initially became a thing, um, a lot of couples were putting a positive spin on it of, oh, well, now we get to spend more time together. We don't have to go into work. Like, this is kind of nice, actually. And I think that lasted for maybe about three days for most people. And then we started realizing, oh, this is an awful lot of time to be spending with our partners. Um, so, you know, that in and of itself is just a massive change that I think a lot of couples, especially now that we're months and months into this of, you know, I love my partner, but I do not love spending basically every waking moment with this person. Um, but, you know, even on top of that, there's so many other stresses that we're dealing with with COVID. I mean, it's, there's just, you know, the fear and uncertainty of a global pandemic. There's us having less support from our, you know, other networks like friends, family members, our hobbies and activities that we used to do. There are massive financial struggles that so many couples are going through with, you know, uncertainty with their jobs, um, all of that. And, you know, having to become um, primary uh, child caregivers and even teachers at this point in time too. So it's just, it's really uprooted our lives completely. And I think it makes perfect sense that most of us are really, really struggling with all of these changes. Yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting. A quote that I had written in a book that I started before the pandemic uh, was introduced was this idea of uh, in the rush to return to normal, which parts of normal are worth rushing back to? Let's consider that. Uh, and I think that there is some inventorying that is going on inside of relationship when you're spending as much time together as you are of what has just existed historically over time that you want to carry forward as a part of what your new normal ends up looking like for as long as this temporary normal ends up existing and whatever the new normal of a world that reopens and gets back to itself ends up looking like. There's obviously, as you mentioned, uh, proximity that is an issue because, man, we're in close quarters and not able to leave. There's community issues in terms of not being able to connect with people that maybe you would have had as outlets previously. Kids are always here. 
Uh, are there things that you in your practice are recommending to people as things that they ought to think about to cope with the proximity or the absence of community or the way that their kids uh, are, you know, there and maybe now are requiring a different level of focus and support either as parents or now as teachers uh, so that people can get through this in not just the way that has them surviving it, but thriving through it? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of different things that we can talk about. So I'm, I'm glad we get a chance to dive into this. Um, I think the first place that I usually like to start with people is just acknowledging what we're all going through right now. I've talked to so many people that still feel very alone in the way that they're reacting to COVID. And I think, you know, there's there's definitely an emphasis, um, especially at the beginning of this, on, you know, trying to see the positive in this and, and, you know, what are the ways that this could actually be serving us. And I do think that's great. And I think that it has also caused some people to feel um, really alone if they are not able to currently see the positive side of this or, you know, not able to see the benefits. So I think really just acknowledging whatever it is that you're feeling, whether it is positive or there are more challenging emotions coming up, just giving yourself the grace and the permission to feel all the feelings. It sounds very simple. It's a lot harder to do in practice, but I really think that just starting with ourselves and, and with that, you know, basic acknowledgement and validation is really the key first step. No, so good. I totally agree. If you are listening to this and you are struggling you may feel alone, but trust, you are not alone. Everyone who's listening to this is in some ways processing the headwinds that exist because of this pandemic and all the other things that come uh, part and parcel with it. I know there are a lot of couples that are currently working from home together, or one partner maybe is now working from home in the same space as a partner who is you know, traditionally taking care of the household. How do you recommend that partners confront or talk about this new dynamic in a healthy way so that they can still carve out time that feels special for them, even if maybe their traditional date night is something that is harder to pull off, or even if alone time uh, and intimacy is something that feels like it takes a little bit more work because of the closed quarter, close proximity conditions that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I think the main thing here is that we just are being called to be so much more intentional about our time now. Um, we used to have like these nice breaks of, away from each other and these transition times of coming back to each other as well. And now it's just, you know, together all the time, 24 hours a day. And so we have to be so much more intentional about planning and carving out time for specific purposes. So I think it's important for us to think about, you know, work time, childcare time, those two may obviously overlap, um, alone time, and then quality together time. And to really make a specific plan for each of those. If we don't have a plan, there's just no way <laughs> that we're going to be able to get through this. So I think, you know, when it comes to carving out work time, I think with that, my advice that I'm giving to couples is the more space you can give each other, the better. So if you're lucky enough to have, you know, offices that can be separate, even if an office for one of you is the sofa in the living room, but just some sort of distance between the two of you so that you're not staring each other in the face all day, every single day, like you have to be separate. Um, and some, this might sound kind of funny, but I'm even recommending that couples try not to communicate during the work hours as much as possible. So obviously you're going to have to in some, some areas, but um, even if it's just trying to communicate with each other over text instead, that feels a little bit more normal, a little bit what things, you know, how things used to be than just constantly talking to each other all day long, every single day. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When it comes to childcare, I think something that can be really useful is trying to parent in shifts. So taking turns, you know, assigning different time blocks based on your schedules, what works for you guys, um, so that, you know, each person is having some time where they get to be really intentional and present with the kids and some time where they get to shut off and be an employee or, you know, just a person, not a mom or a dad. Um, And then, you know, when it comes to uh, quality time together, yeah, we definitely need to still be creating the space for date night. And I think this is something a lot of people are struggling with right now because they're thinking, well, we're spending so much time together. Why do we need to have date night as well? Like, isn't just all day, every day, basically date night. But it definitely isn't. I mean, there's a huge difference between quality time and quantity of time. So we really have to get clear about that. So yeah, date nights are definitely not going to be as fun if you're quarantined at home. There's not much to do. But I do think that there are opportunities to be really creative here. So my husband and Xander and I, we've actually, um, we were actually pretty bad at date night before all of this. We'd do it maybe like once a month or so, but you know, we, we work together, we live together. So we definitely fell into that quality, you know, quantity time, you know, kind of uh, mistaking it for quality. But what we did since COVID happened is we've really committed to having a weekly date night. We take off, take turns planning it. So it gets to feel like, you know, every other week, I feel like he's doing something really special for me. It's a surprise. I don't know what's coming. And then the other weeks, you know, I'm doing something special for him. And so we've gotten really creative and, and have done stuff that we wouldn't have, have done otherwise. And I think there are also a lot of local businesses that are getting creative. So, for example, we have this little Japanese restaurant in our neighborhood, and they were doing a sake tasting over Instagram. So they put together these little sake kits. You go pick it up, you know, socially distanced. And then we join this Instagram live, and the person's leading us through the tasting notes of each one. So, you know, stuff like that, like there definitely are options for spending, you know, interesting, creative date nights together and and having that time that feels purposeful and intentional and is not just a, oh, yeah, you again, you're here all day. So am I. (laughs) Yeah. Intention feels like it's so like the most important thing, whether it's that you're planning it out in advance or assigning the responsibility to the other partner, you know, every other time. I I love that idea just so that it feels like there's something a little bit more special than every other hour of the day where you are confined in the space together, but that also there's a little spontaneity that, you know, maybe creates the feeling of it being special and the feeling of something that could lead to something a little more intimate after you've created the intentional, more special space. So um, along those lines, let's talk oh, about yeah. libido for a second, because uh, as much as I know everyone is definitely different, the added stress and uncertainty that people end up feeling inside of a circumstance like the one we are all living through can really pour a, a bit of cold water, as it were, over people's sex drives. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm going to assume that there are, of course, some people who want some more sex because, man, it's the way that they can blow off steam or maybe it's like the thing that they can look forward to in a world where there's less to look forward to. But if a listener is finding themselves 
in a libido compromised state because of the chaos that we are living inside of, are there things that you would recommend that they might be able to engineer their libido to help uh, Get their get get their sex drive a jump start, as it were, inside of these upside down times. Oh yeah, yeah. There are some people who, like you were saying, do use sex to blow off steam. I actually have a little sex personality types model, and that's one of the types, the decompressor. But for the vast majority of us, um, when we are under stress, our libidos just absolutely tank. And there's a real biological reason behind that. When we're stressed, our body is releasing cortisol, and what cortisol functions to do is as it, it's as if we really truly were in danger in that moment. Cortisol is shutting down all the essential functions so that we can just focus on survival. So, you know, you hear that like saying fight or flight, that's what cortisol is doing is shutting everything else down in your body so that you can focus all your resources on, is it safer for me to stay and fight or to leave and take flight? And so, you know, it makes sense too. like, if you're literally, you know, think about our caveman ancestors, if a woolly mammoth, you know, charging for attack, it would make no sense to have an erection in that exact same moment, (laughs) just not a good idea. So, um, you know, so all of us are really stressed. We've got a lot of cortisol going on and our cortisol is shutting down our libidos because our libidos are a non-essential function of our bodies. So we kind of go back to that same point about validation, just understanding like it makes a lot of sense to have a low libido right now. You're stressed. Your body is literally shutting down your sex drive. So what I think can be the most useful thing to do um, if you're experiencing a low sex drive right now is to, (laughs) coming back again to this idea of being intentional about your time, I really like the idea of scheduling sex. I liked it before COVID. And I think with COVID, it's an even better uh, thing to do. I knew you were going to say it. I just knew. (laughs) I love scheduled sex. I think it gets such a bad rap. People think of it as this really unsexy thing. But it's really interesting to think about, you know, when we think about scheduling date night, like let's think about this outside of COVID. When we would think about scheduling date night, like people get really excited about that. Like, oh, date night. So great. I'm glad we're having this time together. Just the two of us. But then we think about scheduling sex and there's this really negative mindset of, oh God, that's so bad. You have to schedule sex the way you would schedule, you know, going to the dentist or your tax you know, office, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we can have the same sort of view of it. Like the idea is just that you're being purposeful about carving out time for connection, making sure that, yeah, we've got lots going on. The world's a crazy place, but you know what? We are making sure that we carve out this time for each other, for our intimacy, for our connection, and we protect that time. So I think that where people get uh, go really wrong with scheduled sex is that they turn it into this really intense obligation. Like I'm scheduling, you know, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. I'm going to have, you know, intercourse and that's it. Like I have no choice in it. And you definitely do not have to schedule sex in that way. Like you don't have to commit to doing anything. Um, so I, I recommend that couples like set some sort of, some sort of activity that's going to count as sex. And too often we mean, we think that sex has to be intercourse, but it doesn't. So maybe for you right now, what would feel really good is just to get in a bed together and get naked and just hold each other. And that, you know, no matter how stressful your day was, how, matter, how overwhelmed you're feeling, that that would feel really good to you. So that could be your scheduled sex date. You know, you're just committing to doing something like that. And if you feel like doing something more in the moment, that's great. There's the space for it. If you don't, that's totally great too. You've just had this really nice, like skin to skin contact with each 
each other and you're going to be feeling closer. So I think that if we yeah, take away that sense of obligation from it, kind of lower the bar a lot and just focus on some sort of physical connection with each other, that can make it feel so much more fun and exciting. How many times has a back rub, a simple back rub, led to something more than a simple back rub. Oh, yeah. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I mean, come on. It happens. So I know, uh, you know, we mentioned like the, the, the access that many of us have traditionally had to our friendship circles or our community is compromised in this time, which means that couples tend to be depending more than ever on each other for all of their community need. And uh, guess what? That's great in some senses, but could also, I'm going to argue, lead at times to codependency if in the absence of having other people that you have traditionally gone to, now you can't, um, could end up maybe triggering something that ends up tipping into dysfunctional. And I'm wondering if against the backdrop of this idea of codependency, there are things that couples should look out for to make sure that they don't go from uh, depending on each other when there aren't other outlets that are available to them to something that maybe uh, gets in the way of actual intimacy or gets in the way of something that is more productive or healthy for the relationship. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think the main thing that we want to look out for is just how much of how much is our partner turning to us to be their sole outlet? Um, and I think we can each really get a visceral sense of like, yeah, my partner is really just venting to me all day long. I don't ever see or hear them talking to anyone else. It's, it's just coming onto my lap. Um, and that's a lot to deal with. And in particular, I'm seeing this um, a lot with um, men struggling to reach out and get contact with other men. Um, I think this comes down a lot to socialization. You know, women were socialized to be more expressive, more open with our emotions. We're more vulnerable and, and open with our girlfriends. And men are socialized to, you know, to be the tough guy and to not have emotions. And, and I think male friendship operates really differently, uh, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, you know, I've I've experienced this a lot in my own relationship with my close friends as well. Um, I have a group of friends and, and all of the guys have been going through challenging times individually. And all of us women are sort of talking like, well, hey, did those two talk? Have they have they shared anything? It sounds like they're going through something pretty similar. And they're not, you know, they, they're just, they're not. So I think that that's, yeah, it's really unfortunate that that dynamic is coming up. Um, and I do think it's super important for us to still have other outlets for whatever it is that we're going through. And yeah, it's not going to be the same. We're not going to be able to, to go out and see our friends or hug them or go on trips away with them. And it sucks. It's really challenging. But I still think, you know, we can talk on the phone. We can do Zooms. We can text with each other. We can, I don't know, go old school and get, get pen pals again. <laughs> you know? But we do, you know, we absolutely need to have other outlets. So if your partner, if it feels like, you know, they just keep coming to you with everything going on, what I would do is wait for a separate time, not a time when they bring something to you and they're already emotional, but at a completely separate time, just sort of sit down with them and say, you know, I'm noticing that you're really coming to me a lot to share what's going on with you. And I'm here for you. I have the space for you to feel whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever it is that you're going through. And I want to make sure that you also have other outlets other than me. So can we talk about that? 
Um, and, and, you know, be able to talk if you're, yeah, if your partner's saying, oh yeah, I feel embarrassed to reach out to my friends or I don't want to bug my family with this, you know, to be able to talk through it with them. Don't make them feel ashamed or embarrassed about that. Acknowledge like, yeah, that I know that must be really challenging. Um, but just trying to be really clear with them of it's important to me that you have other outlets. And I know that I can be the best support to you when I don't feel like I'm the only support for you. I know everyone processes stress in a different way and that the conditions that we find ourselves in are going to affect people in relationships in different ways. And I'm going to guess that because of that, there will be times when one partner is feeling something that feels like a heavier load to carry than the other partner might. And there, you know, I think there's a part of our humanity that sometimes doesn't want to have to acknowledge that we are going through something different or that we maybe even can appreciate that we are experiencing something that's different than the person that we are in relationship with. If you are a partner who feels like stress is getting the better of you, how do you encourage that person to represent it in a way that doesn't come off like there's it's complaining or doesn't feel like it's trying to blame shift or any of the things that maybe could be interpreted, but instead represented in a way? I know this is coming off of a question about codependency and depending on a partner mm -hmm. to carry, you know, maybe too much. But how, how do you suggest that somebody brings it up if they're starting to feel overwhelmed, but don't know if they have permission to engage in a conversation, to share a little bit of what their experience in this feels like so that there's maybe an opportunity for that other partner to represent how they could come in and carry a little bit of that load or, or offer them some other kind of resource that might afford them some kind of relief from the thing that they're right now going through. Yeah, I think a lot of people are struggling with, you know, I'm going through something and, and I don't even know how to bring that to part my partner, if I can bring that to my partner. Um, and so I think that what can be helpful in that sort of circumstance is to have a conversation with your partner about those dynamics. So don't get into whatever it is that you're feeling or going through first, but say something more general about, you know, I want to have a conversation about how we lean on each other or how we share things with each other with everything that's going on right now. And it might be something like, you know, I'm finding myself feeling really self-conscious of sharing what I'm going through with you because I don't want to unload it on you or I don't want you to feel responsible for it or, you know, whatever it is that whatever particular dynamic is coming up for that person. But just sharing that, like, yeah, I want to share this with you. And these are the specific blockages that are coming up for me. Um, and see what your partner says, because I think the vast majority of the time, like you're going to get a supportive response your partner is going to say, I want to be there for you. I want you to be able to share things with me. And I think one thing in, in particular that can really, really help in these kinds of circumstances is I think that very often in relationships, when we share something with our partner, the response is to very quickly go to advice about, oh, well, here's how you fix it. Here's how you get rid of that. Here's what you should do. And that often winds up feeling really bad for both partners. So the partner who's been doing the sharing most times doesn't actually want advice. <laughs> most of the time we just actually want to be heard. And then for the partner who's doing the listening, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself of, oh my God, my partner's got all this stuff going on and I've got to come up with this perfect solution for them and give them the answer of how to get rid of all of this. So it just is very unsatisfying for both partners. And so one thing that can really, really help is to tell your partner specifically when you're looking to just vent or share 
and when you're looking for advice. And so that's how you preface your any conversation when you come to your partner. Hey, babe, I just need you to listen right now. Can you just let me vent for a second? Or hey, babe, I'm going through something and I would really love to get your advice. I'd love to hear what your take is on this. So Xander and I do this with each other all the time. And it just, it's so helpful because it, for the listener, it immediately puts you in a better state of like, oh, okay, all that I have to do right now is listen. Awesome. That's all I have to do versus, oh, okay, let me put on my thinking cap. I'm going to help come up with some solutions, maybe give some advice. Um, but it just, it prepares you for having that conversation in a much healthier, much better way. Yeah. I mean, in any conversation, could be a coworker, could be a oh, yeah. child, could yeah. be a partner, identifying the intended outcome that you were hoping for in the conversation at the beginning of the conversation creates a frame that will actually keep people in that conversation mm. focused on that intended outcome. I'm, I'm so here for it. Self-care. Let's talk about self-care for a second, because uh, as much as, yep, it's hard to carve out alone time. It's hard to sometimes feel the permission to indulge in taking care of yourself. If you are not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. If you're not taking care of yourself, you are not going to actually thrive through this experience that we are inside of. Uh, how can you, uh, if you are in the middle of this as a listener, um, feel more comfortable with self-care or, or feel the permission to indulge in it and how in doing so, like the oxygen mask that comes down, you put it on yourself before you put it on other people, um, how it will be a, an outlet to actually build a stronger relationship and build a stronger family unit. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad I'm doing this podcast with you because I feel like you guys do such a great job of talking about self-care and really helping normalize that it's something that we all need. I think, yeah, too often we feel like self-care is selfish. It's self-centered. We should be taking care of other people. We should be putting other people before ourselves, but it really truly is the case that we cannot take care of anyone else if we are not taking care of ourselves. Um, it's, it's just absolutely essential for us to get that self-care in. And I think that this is a really interesting time because what may have felt like self-care to us pre-COVID might not necessarily feel like self-care anymore. So it's a good opportunity for us to reevaluate, yeah, what are the things that genuinely are going to feel good for me right now? And I think this also just gets back to as well, validating and recognizing, you know, even if you were struggling with, with self-care pre-COVID, we really need to understand that we are going through something massive and monumental and life-changing and history making. Like if there is not a time for self-care, like, you know, this is the time for self-care. If there hasn't been any other time in the history of the world, like this is the time for it right now. Maybe not the world, but the history of our, our lives, our lifespans. Uh, this is the time for it right now. So I think that, yeah, it's just really important for all of us to prioritize that, to make the space for it. And I actually asked my audience on Instagram how they were getting creative about creating alone time, because I think this has been a struggle for so many people when there's, you know, your spouse is always around, your kids might always be around. And so I got some really great answers um, that were super uh, creative. So a bunch of people said hobbies that are separate. Um, so someone mentioned gardening, which I don't know how I didn't ever think of that before. But I was like, yeah, gardening's great. There's an actual, you know, you can go outside, get a little space. Um, people mentioned walking. Someone said they even just bought a hammock to string up outside. So they get to go have their hammock time outside. Um, my husband Xander goes surfing 
something. And so that's my time to just be alone in the house. I think we really can't underestimate the power of being alone in your house. There's something very, very soothing about getting that time. Um, someone else mentioned just taking long showers. I mean, that's another, another joy in life, just having some time by yourself in the shower, um, watching your own TV show. So rather than, you know, doing the Netflix and chill thing together, like having separate shows that you guys watch. Um, and then getting up before the kids, getting up early um, can be another great way to just carve out a little bit of time. And some people said just even trying to get into, get as far away from each other in their house as possible. So even if it was just, you know, separate ends of the same room facing the opposite direction, um, if you're, you know, have a bigger house where you can go in different rooms or go into different floors, uh, just having some space can be great. If you're a listener and you don't have a place in your house right now that you know you go to for like a 12 minute respite from the chaos of your house, you gotta find that spot. Oh, I know yeah. where mine is and my kids don't know how to get into it. And there are times when I just need to, I gotta get 12 minutes of clarity. I gotta, I'll do a meditation or just sit in silence. I'll do a prayer, whatever it might be. But um, having that time to refuel and be alone, especially when you feel like you're on top of each other as much as we all are right now, it's so, so important. Self-care to me is a component of building a bit of a plan for how you are going to navigate this crisis. And I have talked a lot about how important it has been for me to generate the imagination for what getting through this looks like so that in seeing what it's going to take to get there, I can build around my health the things that are necessary for me to actually thrive through this. And when I say health, it's physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, and spiritual health. And the things that I'm doing every day as a part of a morning routine, the things that I'm doing every day is just a part of how I do my day are a reflection of that plan for how I hope to get through this well. If a couple is listening, if uh, you know someone who's in relationship is listening, do you have any specific advice for how devising a plan can be done? Is it a thing that you do individually? Is it a thing that you do together? We've always been big on you know identifying the relationship values that you have and building things that help support them. But I'm I'm curious if in the midst of something like this, there's something different that you might have to apply to thinking about how you navigate this in the shortest term before you get back into what your traditional relationship values and traditional relationship cadence might look like. I think we can continue, you know, grounding and rooting ourselves in our values. Absolutely. I think we want to, you know, we want to stick to our values no matter what is going on in the world, what's going on in our lives. Um, so I think that the, the most important thing there is really creating a plan. It's just, there's so much going on right now that if we leave things to chance, nothing's going to happen. We have to have a plan. I know you guys say hope is not a strategy. <laughs> we have to have a plan. And so I think that it's definitely something that I would encourage couples to do together. Um, that way you can really feel like a team in it and you can make the space for both sets of your needs. So, you know, and for your family as well, if you have a family. So really taking some time together, what I would do is 
is try to come up with an overall plan of how you're going to approach each day. And then I would also make sure that you're checking in with each other on a weekly basis to make adjustments. So there might be, you know, different things that come up different weeks, or you might have a plan and then realize, ah, actually that aspect of it isn't really working for us. So if you do regular weekly check-ins, that gives you an opportunity to adjust and as, as necessary. But I think the yeah, the crucial elements of that plan have got to be kind of those, those four categories of time that I was talking about earlier. You know, alone time, quality time together, parenting time, um, and work time. Um, so making a specific plan for each of those things. Um, and yeah, with alone time in particular, I think it's really important for us to be supportive of each other in creating that time. And again, this is where we have to be a little bit creative too. So it might be that, you know, your partner really wants to have some alone time in the house that so you're going to take the dog on a walk Tuesdays and Thursdays for half an hour, or you're just going to sit out in the backyard and read a book, or you're going to, you know, put your headphones on, sit in the closet, watch your own show. So your partner just gets a little bit of space, but I think it can feel really great if we feel like a, a team in that and recognizing it's okay for you to want alone time. I want to support you in having alone time. What do you need from me, babe, to make sure that we create that space for you? Yeah. We have uh, been big, huge proponents of this idea that you have to choose joy. The idea of choosing joy being a deliberate, intentional thing that if you go on the hunt for joy, if you go on the hunt for gratitude, if you look for the good, you will find evidence of it every single day. And right now, it feels even more important because of the chaos that this pandemic is ultimately putting on uh, people being you know, confined to, to the home and the stresses that it's creating inside of our lives and our relationships. How can couples find joy in their relationship right now on the days especially where it feels harder to look for it? Is there, is there anything tips-wise or tricks-wise that you might recommend? Uh, to me, it's always just been, you got to find the 112 very, very small, totally inane things that just happen to pop up and celebrate them as you see them because there may not be some huge burst of uh, magic that ends up coming up inside of circumstances like this, but any tips for people in how the pursuit of joy might show up for them in their relationship in the midst of this? I think right now it really is just looking for those smaller moments. So the the bigger things that might have brought us a lot of joy uh, may not be as possible right now, but we can still find little moments of daily joy with each other. Um, and so, you know, for me personally, I, I like to start every day, like just journaling about the things that I'm grateful for. I think that that gets me in the right mindset of already appreciating, you know, what I have and what's going on in my life. And it sets the day up nicely. And then Xander and I, we also do a check-in with each other every single day. And that's one of the questions that we ask each other. What's one thing that you're grateful for today? And I will not lie. Sometimes the things we're grateful for are incredibly small, maybe even a little embarrassing, but just that, you know, forcing each other to name something to think about something. Um, it really, it, it really does help. Um, and then in the moment itself too, just trying to celebrate like Anything that makes me laugh, that puts a little smile on my face, you know, if he tells a really stupid joke and it just gets me a little giggle out of me, like that's something to celebrate. That's a little moment of joy and we can just kind of cling to that right now. So I, it might sound sad, but I think kind of with lowering our bar of what we can be appreciative of and what we can find joy in, um, it might sound sad, but I think the reality for me is that I, I've just experienced so many tiny little moments with him that I'm like, you know what? That's that's really freaking cool that I can get so much joy out of you wearing your dorky socks with your slippers and it looks so silly or the, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Socks and slippers brings joy to everyone. That's not silly whatsoever, <laughs> Vanessa. Good work. Uh, I know that you have a new mini course that you've designed in response to COVID and the unique pressures that ultimately couples find themselves under. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about your course, where they can find it, and what the hoped-for outcome of anyone who goes through it is? Absolutely. So it's called the Relationship Care Package. And Xander and I put it together within the first couple of weeks of COVID because we were just getting so many stories from couples who were really struggling with all the massive changes. And we just personally felt so called to offer more support to relationships at this really challenging time. Um, so it's a it's a bundle of resources that goes over everything from like the practical stuff, like, you know, how to work from home together, um, even though I think a lot of people are kind of getting in the swing of things of that right now. But it talks a lot about communication, how you can communicate with each other when stress and tension is really high, um, ways to experience a little daily connection with each other. We have a 30-day connection challenge as a part of it. So it's a, just a really fun, um, you know, mini course that couples can go through that we hope give people, you know, really practical, tangible, actionable tools that they can take, steps that they can take on a daily basis to decrease stress increased connection. And we really want to, we kind of are seeing this as an opportunity for couples to create a foundation in their relationship that maybe they didn't even have before this, but a foundation that can survive long beyond COVID. So that's why we're talking about really essential stuff like communication. That's awesome. Where can they get it? Yeah. So they can find it on our website at vmtherapy.com. That's my initials, vmtherapy.com. And we also are putting together a special page for Rise Together listeners because we just love this community so much. So you can also go to vmtherapy.com slash together. And we're going to give you like a little free guide with the daily check-in that Xander and I do every single day. It's five questions that we do every day and it really helps us feel more connected to each other, um, feel you know more gratitude, more appreciation, more little daily moments of joy. So you can check it out there. That's awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes. I appreciate that as a resource. I'm sure as people dive in, they will find value in it. I am here for it. Good work. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, I always want to try and leave our listeners with a single piece of advice that they can take away from this podcast and implement in their lives starting today. Uh, I know you have that check-in strategy that people can do, but is there Anything else that you would say, hey, today, if you just did this one thing, this is the single thing that might help create a little sturdier foundation inside of your relationship or help you as a couple thrive through these upside down times. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to encourage people to check out the daily check-in because for me, that's been the most central thing that's really keeping me grounded and anchored. So definitely go check that out and download it. Um, but I will also say taking some alone time. Um, that seems to be one of the biggest challenges that are that's coming up for people right now. So if today the one thing you could do is find some way to carve out even five minutes of alone time. I think that that will have a really big impact on you and on your relationship. Ah, Vanessa Moran, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so, so much for being here today, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing some of the resources that people can additionally jump into if they are interested. These are crazy times. And I know that a conversation like this and the tools that you've created are going to help people get through it well. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy and an honor to be able to be here. I'm really glad to have been able to. Remind me 
Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Remind me and these listeners uh, where they can follow you if they are interested beyond your website. Uh, where, where, what's your handle on the old Instagram if they want to try and dive into the work that you're doing every day on social? It is Vanessa Marin Therapy. So V-A-N-E-S-S-A-M-A-R-I-N-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y. Yeah, Instagram's my favorite. I'm there every day doing stories, asking for input, sharing tips and uh, pictures of my pugs too, if any pug lovers are out there. So yeah, I'd love to connect with people over there. <laughs> you could also be in a spelling bee with the way that you just spelled that all out. So I appreciate you, <laughs> Vanessa. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you to you, the listener. I hope that you found value in this. If you did, and of course you did, please take a picture of this episode, post it in social, tag both myself and Vanessa Marin Therapy, and make sure that you tell us what you got from it. Share it with a friend. Until next time. Have yourself a fantastic day and we will see you on the next episode of Rise Together.